Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is the Frey Podcast, brought to you by thefrey.com, a place for women who want more from life. Today's podcast episode is a solo one and I'm going to be chatting with you about grief when it comes to letting go of a relationship. As you will likely know, I've spent the last couple of months, it feels like actually the last couple of years, really refining my thoughts on going through a breakup. And I've created this resource called Surviving Separation. And it really is designed to just help anyone who is going through a long-term breakup um, or if you're exiting a marriage, it's just designed to help you feel supported and have information at your fingertips that's going to provide you, I think, some relief and some direction when you're potentially feeling quite overwhelmed. And so part of surviving separation is to acknowledge that when you do exit a relationship, when, when that ends, there is grieving to be done. And you're grieving not only for what you've lost, but you're grieving the future that you thought you would have. Because I don't think anyone enters a relationship with the intention of it ending. You kind of always imagine what the next version of your love will be, the next iteration of your relationship. You know, you imagine your children growing older and watching them grow. You imagine all of the things you're going to move through, the different milestones. And when a relationship ends and you never reach those milestones, you can feel an overwhelming sadness and loss, even though you didn't have those things in your mind, you were going to have them. And so it can be difficult to process a loss of something you never had, but that you always assumed or presumed you would. So grief is really important and you've got to allow yourself to grieve. It's part of the breaking up and moving on process. Grief can be an overwhelming experience and it is a natural reaction to loss if you're in the thick of it right now and dealing with loss you are dealing with loss in several ways from the loss of the romantic relationship that future that I just spoke about that you thought you were going to have and the actual physicality the company of the person that you were in relationship with it's like not just losing the romance but also losing that companionship as well There's a sense of loss that can be hard to really articulate at times because it is a loss and grief is essential, but the person you are grieving for is still alive and still likely in your life. So we don't always associate grieving something with someone who is still existing. 
Grief is non-linear and both a personal but also universal experience. Every human will go through a grieving process at some stage in their life. A separation or divorce is a loss and like losing someone, you know, like losing someone you love or a pet, grief needs to happen. When someone we love dies, we grieve. We feel so much sadness and pain. We also have rituals and traditions to follow, like a funeral and a wake. Of course, those rituals don't completely absolve our pain, but they are essential parts of the process that do go towards our overall acceptance and healing. Those rituals can be anchors and we can attach to them along the way. And it includes validation of our sorrow and our loss. It includes connection and sharing, sharing the sadness. But when a relationship ends, we don't have a ceremony. We don't have steps to follow to commemorate the thing that once was or to mark the ending in a way that we do with funerals. Sure, we have divorce paperwork, and that's a practical logistical step that occurs sometime post-separation, but it's typically not done quickly. And while it can be symbolic, it just doesn't happen early enough on, I don't think, to really go toward the early healing that is essential. It also just doesn't include the levity of a wake or ceremony. When you do get to that point of filing or signing your divorce paperwork, if you're exiting a marriage and if you're leaving a long-term relationship, you don't even necessarily have that signing of the paperwork to be done, but it doesn't have the same weight that a wake or ceremony does because it's just a ticking of a box. It's something that you'll often just do on your kitchen bench when you have five minutes to do it. It doesn't carry that same symbolism, I don't think. Grief can feel like an open wound, but the world just goes on as normal and you'll go on too. But you might crave some validation and to be seen and to have that loss and pain recognized and understood. Grief is often thought um, of as having seven stages, including shock, denial, anger, bargaining, guilt, depression, and acceptance. In my experience and the anecdotal experience of others who have shared their separation stories with me, I can say that I have certainly experienced all of the above stages, but it wasn't in that exact order or just once. It's not like, oh, okay, I'm going to complete this level and move on to the next one. There were times when I would feel all seven of those things at once. And then times where I'd be stuck in one of those seven stages and then move out of it and then be pulled back into it. It would be so nice to think, oh, okay, cool. Like I'm in the guilt stage and next I'll cruise through to depression and then I'll reach my end. Like I'll get to the end of this grief thing but it's definitely felt so much more like a mashup of all of those and then some. As I said, some days it feels like a combo of all and other days I'll just get stuck in one, one of those topics. You might have moments of acceptance that are then followed 
by more time back in one of those stages of grief. I've heard of grief described as waves in the ocean, but I almost think grief is like the actual ocean itself and the waves that roll on in will vary in size and strength. Sometimes we'll see the wave coming, like when a special date is approaching, like an anniversary or a holiday, and we'll literally expect that big wave to roll into us. But other times a wave will sneak up on us and knock us over without warning. If we stick with the ocean analogy, because Lord knows I love an analogy, and we imagine ourselves treading water in a sea of grief, we need anchors to tether ourselves to, so that when those waves hit, we don't get completely dumped in the whitewash. We might be disorientated after the wave hits, but if we have a tether or an anchor that we know we can rely upon, it really helps to keep us centered and to stay afloat. I'm going to get into the concept of tethers with you soon and to help you really identify what your tethers can be. There's no time prescription of the exact amount of hours and days until you feel you have grieved enough. Truthfully, I don't know if I personally will ever feel as though I have grieved all that I can. With new milestones that pop up, I often have waves of grief that hit me. My tethers are stronger though now and I am in the whitewash for less time when it happens and I can see it for what it is. My dad has always said to me, the only thing that will help is time and you have to give the time some time. So whilst you are giving the time some time, I strongly recommend you talk to someone who is a trained professional. It's great, of course, to talk with your friends and your support network, but for grief especially, because it can feel like complicated grief when you're grieving a loss of someone who is still in your, maybe they're even in your physical space if you're still living together, but still definitely in your life if you have children. It's really great to talk to someone who is trained to listen and hold space for you. You probably know I'm also going to suggest to you to go and get yourself a journal and to write about it. Journaling is a wonderful go-to move for anything when it comes to self-healing, reflection, and growth. It's a truly cathartic habit to develop, and I really believe that we do damage to our mental, emotional, and physical state when we don't expel the thoughts that are swirling around our minds. Sometimes we do not need a conversation. We just need that one-sided opportunity to spew out all of our thoughts and feelings in order to feel better and think more clearly. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Connecting with other people who truly relate to the unique pain of grieving someone who still exists is helpful as well. You could consider joining a divorce support group, be open and honest, ask friends if they know of someone who's been through a similar situation, and be brave and reach out. There's serious healing in knowing that you are not alone, and this is a time that you may feel more isolated than ever. And connection is so valuable. It can be really daunting to open up and say to someone, hey, I'm in a lot of fear right now. Hey, I'm not coping. But to speak with someone who has walked a similar path can provide so much more reassurance and comfort um, than you might first think. Accepting uncertainty is helpful as well. As humans, we value certainty to varying degrees. Our childhood beliefs shape the way that we view certainty. For some people, certainty equals security, safety, and contentment. For others, certainty can feel stifling and boring. It can be a spectrum of how much an individual might require a sense of certainty to feel safe and stable. In a committed relationship, there is a level of certainty that is comforting. In a world of uncertainty, you have felt that sense of reassurance of knowing your partner will be there for you. Even like even if they're not a great partner, there is a level of comfort in the predictability of their shortcomings. Even a dysfunctional relationship can be preferential to that chasm of uncertainty. The old better the devil you know saying can ring very true for some people. When a relationship that has provided certainty in one way or another breaks down, it can be incredibly discombobulating. I remember saying more than once, I just don't know which way is up. The uncertainty can feel terrifying at worst and exciting at best. Certainty is a close cousin of control and who doesn't love to feel in control? It's comforting but it's also an illusion. None of us have the level of control over our lives that we truly believe we have. We need the illusion of control because otherwise it would simply feel far too scary to face the day. Knowing that we can't keep our loved ones or even ourselves fully safe. We go about our day controlling the things we can and not really allowing ourselves to ponder too long on all of the things that we can't. Despite it being a bit of an illusion, it is one that we value and when we lose control, as in our certainty, it can feel like we are falling into a bottomless, never-ending spiral. If you find yourself flailing in uncertainty during your breakup and that lack of control, Just know that there are a few things that can help to add a bottom to the falling experience and even give you a sense of control and empowerment. So let's consider some options to add to the scaffolding that we need. Tethers and anchors are so important. So earlier on, I shared an analogy of grief being like the ocean, 
The whole divorce and separation experience can be described as swimming or barely treading water in a foreign ocean with waves of all sizes coming at you. You've got currents, you've got tides, different temperatures, stuff that is always changing. A good friend of mine who happens to be a psychologist brought up the concept of tethers to me one day when we were walking on the beach, funnily enough. She asked me what tethers or anchors I would be using to survive the upcoming tsunami of going to court and proceeding with everything that comes along with a divorce. The question really struck a chord with me because it spoke directly to the sensation of feeling untethered. I had been describing my state as disassociation at times, like I was above my body. So when she brought up this concept of tethers to me, it really, really spoke to me because at times I felt like I was above my body watching things unfold, but I was unable to reconcile what I was seeing with what I knew to be true. Disassociative, untethered, lost, flailing, spiraling, and completely out of my depth was how I was feeling. So when my girlfriend asked me about tethers and anchors, it was like a switch flicked in my brain. Like, yes, that's what I need. I need to tether myself. I need to attach to things that are not relational. My identity was so deeply anchored in being a good wife and good mum. in quotes, that when those relational titles changed, I felt so lost. I needed more than being a mum in a way. In a way, like my children had been my tethers for me. They'd kept me functional on days when I really wanted to be swallowed up. They are the reason that I chose to show up and get on with things. But in a shared custody arrangement, they're not consistently with me. And truthfully, nor do I want my children, like I don't want the boys to have to play a part in the integrity of me as an individual. I don't want them to have jobs. It's way too big of a job for anyone, you know, whether they're a child or an adult, it's too much to build your identity around someone else's perception of you or who you are to someone else. I really want to encourage you to think about the things in your life that you can rely upon to be your anchors and tethers in this wild ocean of grief. I suggest identifying tethers that are not reliant upon other people where possible. Things that you have full control over, well actually an illusion, and I love this illusion for us, but things that are within your reach. They may be things that already exist within your life, or you may have to introduce new habits, hobbies, and anchors just so that you can stay upright. Suggestions to consider or to draw inspiration from could be starting a passion project that you've always wanted to do, could be relying on journaling, starting a new hobby like swimming, running or rock climbing, maybe it's taking a dancing workshop or volunteering, maybe it's having a rescue dog or cat, maybe it's learning to meditate or complete breath work. Maybe you want to study something or learn a language or go to a cooking class. 
There are so many things that you could do that could be considered passion projects that really could be a tether to you so that when a tether for you, excuse me, so that when you are feeling overwhelmed by grief, you have something that you can rely upon. For me, one of my biggest tethers throughout my divorce included working specifically on the fray. The creation process of being involved with the new rebranding and the art direction and the creation of the blueprint and working on the podcast were all massively helpful for me. There's like a level of pride I have in like just committing to working on something regardless of what else that was going on that bolstered my sense of self and self-esteem that was just so pivotal in me feeling like I had myself despite those waves of grief. I want to encourage you to get curious. What are your possible tethers going to be? I'd love to invite you to list out three to five tethers that you can trial throughout this time in your life. Throughout surviving separation, we touch on different tethers and anchors and also look at behaviors that can be quite destructive or um, just coping mechanisms that actually detract from where you want to go. You'll learn a lot more about those in our surviving separation guide and we focus in on behaviors and habits that really do assist you in healing and moving on. In Surviving Separation, we talk about closure and how you can give closure to yourself as well. We also have the immediate CPR, things you can do immediately after a breakup, including some of those sugary sweet breakup rituals and why they are important. Just like I said, we don't get the experience of having a funeral or a ceremony or recognition for what we have lost. So we need to give ourselves some rituals to move on and let go and keep growing. So stay tuned for more information on the Surviving Separation Guide. I know it's going to be so, so helpful for anyone out there who is going through a really hard time when it comes to being in the midst of a breakup. I appreciate you listening to this episode and just remember you're not alone. Breakups are hard. They really, really, um, they really can traumatize you and just stretch you in ways you didn't know were possible, but you will get through it. You will grow through it and you will come out the other side. I promise you. Thanks so much for listening and I'll speak with you soon.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.